It's a question that perplexed and vexed the Carolina family all of last college basketball season. Does Coach Davis actually prefer this Iron 5 tight rotation more so than Coach Williams' abundance of depth? Or is this just a product of personnel and it being a small sample size? Good news, friends. We finally got our answer. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, June 27th, 2022. I want to welcome you into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please don't forget that we are free and available anywhere you get your podcast. So please go and subscribe right now. For those of you watching, just hit that little subscribe button. And while you're there, smash the like button as well. It's so helpful in getting the word out to other people about the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, we got some great news over the weekend on, on Friday afternoon, the day after the NBA draft, that Brady Manick is joining the Charlotte Hornets for Summer League. Congratulations, Brady. We are with you. We're cheering for you. Go do it and talk all that junk to Mark Williams in the process. And Garrison Brooks, Farmer Tar Heel. Form, did I say Farmer Tar Heel? Uh, that is a show I want to watch. Garrison Brooks, Farmer Man. <laughs> That's awesome. Garrison Brooks, former Tar Heel, who played at Mississippi State last year, will be playing with the Knicks for Summer League. Can't wait to see those guys in action. Well, I am actually away on vacation with my family right now as you are watching or listening to this. And so my best wishes to you from Mexico. Consequently, we will only have three shows this week, today and Wednesday and Friday. So make sure you tune in for each of those. I just don't want to leave you wandering on Tuesday or Thursday what is going on. One other piece of housekeeping coming up early in July, we're going to do a show where we look at the three biggest moments in Carolina athletics in the past academic year. We'd love to have your input on that as well. And so um, you can send a DM to me on Twitter. My DMs are always open. You can DM the show on Twitter. You can send an email to lockedontarheels at gmail.com and we'd love to hear from you there. So the big question of the day is this, are we going to see Iron 5 2.0 next year or are we going to see Roy Williams type depth or somewhere in between one of those two polarized opposite extremes, which they both are? Let me, let me run down for you part of why we need to answer this question. Let's look at the minutes per game played for the Iron 5 last year. By the way, if you don't remember who that is, it's Caleb Love. R.J. Davis, Leaky Black, Brady Manick, and Armando Baycott. Over the course of the full season, here is the minutes per game they all five of those averaged from greatest to least. Caleb Love, 34.1 minutes per game. R.J., 34. Armando, 31.7. Brady Manick, 30.4. And Leaky just shy of 30 at 29.7. However, 
it tightens up and gets even higher the deeper you get into the season. Here's conference play. R.J. Davis, 34.8 minutes a game. Caleb, 34.1. Armando, 31.7. Brady, 30.4. And Leaky uh, at 29.7. Now, postseason, this is where it gets really crazy. So these numbers include ACC and NCAA tournament games. R.J. leaps to 36.75 minutes per game. Caleb up to 36.38, Mondo 34.13, Leaky 34.13, and Brady 33.63. So out the entirety of the postseason, the Iron Five, none of them averaged fewer than 33 and a half minutes per game. Let's take it down to just the six games of the NCAA tournament. This is where it gets even more ridiculous. RJ, 37.83 minutes per game. Caleb, 36.83. Leaky, 36. Brady, 35.33. And Mondo, 34. That is too many minutes to uh, sustain the level of success the Tar Heels are looking for. We can't do that again, right? Uh, that's not sustainable, right? Well, I mean, those guys did it, but clearly would run out of gas from time to time. And so this, this question that we've all been asking throughout last season, and I've been asking it a lot this offseason, will it be Iron 5 again, add Pete Nansen to the mix, or will it swing to the other side of the pendulum of Roy Williams' almost infuriating level of depth where it's like, why is that guy getting so many minutes? We don't know what to expect. Literally, last year was Hubert Davis's first year as a head coach ever outside of Carolina JV. So we have zero historical pattern to establish it on. We have zero evidence of previous experience of what he's done. All we have to go on is what happened last year. And so that's why people are like, I don't know what's going to happen. What we have is a very small sample size. And in scientific circles, we would say that is no bueno. It boils down to this. Was last year a direct result of the personnel available to Coach Davis? Or is it his preferred rotation style? Here's my thing. I'm great with whatever you want to do. You're in charge. You're the coach. You're the man. It's your team. We just want to know what to expect. <laughs> we just want to know... Are we going to see eight, nine, ten guys, or are we going to see five guys with maybe two others sprinkled in? Well, good news. We got some answers last week. Check it out. What determines the depth chart is depth. <clears throat> I don't determine that. I'm not going into the yeah. season saying I want to play ten or I want an eight-man rotation. They determine it. The five that I played a lot last year, especially towards the end of the year, they determined it. By their play and practice, every day and it was confirmed by their play in the game. And so if everybody, right now we have 12 on the team, if all 12 practice really well and confirm the way that they played in practice in the games, I'll play a rotation of 12. So I don't, I don't go predetermined. The players determine what the rotation is and how much time that they get. And so um, I don't want to play five. I, I want to have a bigger rotation. But I'm not going to give people playing time. And I'm not going to give, I'm going to give everyone an opportunity. 100%. Every day of practice, you have an opportunity to play. Plain and simple, period, the end. But um, 
the players will determine the rotation. And so when we get into practice, uh, whatever the rotation is, that's what has been determined by the guys out there on the floor. Okay, so you heard it right there from Coach Davis's mouth himself. He does not like to play five people. Oh, good. The hand-wringing can stop. He would like to see some more depth. Now, he's not saying he's going to go 11-12 deep. We're not going to be Leonard Hamilton. We're not going to be even back probably to Coach Williams. But what he's saying is he has no predetermined number of, of a desire for his rotation. And I kind of like that. You know, it could change from year to year based on what's available. And let's be honest, Coach Williams even did that in some years where the depth just wasn't there. And so ultimately what we heard from Coach Davis is he is not the one that decides what the rotation looks like. Who are? Who is? The players. They're the ones that make these decisions. So... Here's the biggest takeaway from me in what I heard Coach Davis say. We heard a lot last year about opportunity. Remember, he would say anytime he was asked, he would always say, always say, everyone is going to get an opportunity. I think I often took that to mean everyone is going to get an opportunity, dot, 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 in a game. And that's not what he means. Here's the distinction that he just really helpfully explained in that video. He said, I'm not going to give people playing time. You hear that? I'm not going to give playing time. I'm going to give an opportunity. Yes, that might be in a game, but it's probably going to be in practice. That's where these moments are found for these young men under his tutelage and under his watchful eye. You are not guaranteed the opportunity of playing time in an actual game setting. You are guaranteed, like if you're here at the University of Chapel Hill in North Carolina, it's because you're a phenomenal basketball player to start with. That's, that's a guarantee. That's a given. And you're going to get an opportunity in practice. But if you don't prove it there, you might or might not get it on the court. That's the biggest takeaway from for, for me of what I heard. I love to know that distinction now of opportunity versus minutes given. Cool. Very good. So, and then biggest picture what we learned is last year was ultimately out of necessity rather than Coach Davis's desire. He does not want to keep it to the four starters and Pete Nance. That's what not what he's looking to do. The nice thing going into this year is you know you've got those four horsemen in RJ, Caleb, Leakey, and Mondo. Given what we saw last year, Puff Johnson and Dontre Styles are going to earn minutes unless something just goes awry. They're going to get their time, most likely with an uptick from what we saw last year. Incidentally, I'm super excited to see a healthy Puff Johnson and what he can bring to the table. Got to think Pete Nance is going to be a major factor in this as well, so that's seven right there already. Um, and then who else? DeMarco Dunn. What are we going to see from him? Any of the four freshmen going to be able to contribute? I personally think that Seth Trimble is a dude and is going to force his way into playing time. And it's also going to allow RJ and Caleb to get big breathers. But we got to see it happen. And most importantly, Coach Davis has to see it happen. Well, given everything he did last year and all of his accolades, what on earth is there left for Armando Baycott to accomplish and do in college basketball? His head coach has a word for him, and we're going to share that word with you in just a second. Let me first tell you about Bet Online, which is your number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. 
Find all the latest developments, league reviews, and news, including all the major major league baseball action going on. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering info, including live betting and esports. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So how does Armando Baycott improve upon what he's already done? Shattering the Carolina single-season rebounding record. Shattering also the Carolina single-season double-double record. Like, all of these things he's done. I mean, there is a national championship out there to win. I guess there's that he can do. Um, Some individual accolades. But in terms of his actual game, the question was asked of Coach Davis in this same press conference what more, Coach Davis, do you expect out of him, and how can he be better? Here's what Coach Davis had to say. Well, one of the things that you know <clears throat> that you can improve and get better is is consistency. And so it's not necessarily okay. Average blank rebounds a game. He has to average more re- rebounds a game. That he's gotten better. You know, from a defensive standpoint, a rebound, and once you once you do it again. And, you know, one of the things that I've, you know, in terms of Armando that I've been trying to push and prod is, is for him, because I really believe that he has an incredible ability at the high post to be able to shoot the ball from the outside. I know that's something that he can do, and I know that's something that, um, because he wants to play in the NBA, he's going to have to show that he can do that. And so um, – I'm really excited to see Armando's improvement from last year to this year, but one way that you can determine that is the consistency from year to year, and I really believe all of our players will be able to do that. The, the basic question in that is, what on earth left can Armando Baycott do? Why come back to college? Well, uh, aside from raking in a crud ton of money in the NIL space, let's just set that aside because that's a huge factor in this. There was one key word you heard head coach Hubert Davis say in his response there. Consistency. Consistency is the big key of what he's looking for from Armando. Now, clearly Armando has already been given giving the, a great deal of consistency in many facets of the game. But Coach Davis would like to see that across the board in what Baycott brings to the table. So when we look at double-doubles and the fact that there were just a few scattered games throughout the season where he didn't achieve a double-double, there's not much more consistency you can find there, but there is some. What's interesting is Coach Davis kind of alluded to this idea but didn't really expound upon it, but it seems to me that for Coach Davis, it's not about how can Armando improve? Hey, Armando, I need you to get X number of rebounds or X number more rebounds. It's more about why don't you just keep doing what you're doing regardless of the statistical number result? Um, Go ahead and get in at a very high level on that. 
For example, he's got high post shot capability that he can make, but he must prove that in order to be able to be a consistent contributor in the NBA at the next level. Clearly, that's where Armando ultimately wants to get, but he's got to prove it. He's got to show that he can get there and be a guy. That's not going to happen just by getting double-doubles and scoring in and around the basket. He's got to hit that high post shot. He's got to show that he can step out and hit the three with at least some level of consistency. Because of Pete Nance, RJ Davis, and Caleb Love, he doesn't have to do that very often, really. And so there's this fine and awkward balance that he's going to have to strike of how do I most help my Carolina team and how do I help my own draft stock? And that's something that he's going to have to, a line he's going to have to straddle this year. And one that the coaching staff will inevitably be able to help him process in real time. It helps that you've got somebody like Sean May that really went through that himself and, and head coach Hubert Davis in his draft stock. And then that consistency is not just about individual stat things, but how are you growing as a basketball player and as a human being year over year over a year. That's what you want to see in anybody in life. And I love that I love that about Hubert Davis as a head coach. He doesn't just want to say what can you do for this team, but as part of your consistency and growth in that facet, how are you improving in every single area of your game? How are you becoming a better free throw shooter? How are you getting better with your footwork? How are you developing more counter moves in the post? How are you finding ways to be a better leader as a senior now? How are you finding ways to bring along Jalen Washington, take him under your wing and show him what to do? How are you helping bring Pete Nance into the fold? All of these things contribute to what Coach Davis is looking for. Additionally, for someone like Armando, who is knocking it out of the park in the name, image, and likeness space, how are you um, promoting, not, not just getting money, but how are you showing what the University of North Carolina is all about? How are you showing who this man, Armando Baycott, is in everything that you say and do? That's what Coach Hubert Davis is looking for with Armando Baycott. Not just, can you get more double-doubles or more rebounds when you get those and more scoring. But how are you becoming a more complete human being? That's what Coach Hubert Davis is looking for when he says consistency. Now, speaking of Coach Davis, he's already got Gigi Jackson and Simeon Wilcher in the fold and locked up for the class of 2023. There was a potential third musketeer waiting in the wings and lined up, and he announced his commitment last Friday. I'll tell you about it in just a minute. Well, uh, Matas Buzelis, as you, if, if you're someone who's been listening and watching this podcast for any bit of time, you know that uh, really was excited about the possibility of bringing him in to be part of Carolina's class of 2023. He would be the third commit. Gigi Jackson has been all over him. Uh, Wiltshire has been all over him trying to get him to come be a Tar Heel. Uh, if you watched the show that Pat Kilby and I did, breaking down his game, you know what a just absolute stud he is and everything that he can bring to the table. 
Well, Guzelis was down to a final five of North Carolina, along with Florida State, Kentucky, and Wake Forest. Now, that's only four because the other option was going with the G League Ignite route, which uh, Ignite is the G League's kind of... Uh, prep school for the NBA instead of going to college. Previous to NIL, it was a place where you could go ahead and go get paid and make some money before um, coming out of college. Now with NIL, obviously you can go ahead and get paid and that's not the option. So Buzelis was down to this final five and the question was, what is he going to do? Um, well, unfortunately, as, as you might or might not be aware, Buzelis never actually came and took an official visit to Carolina, to Chapel Hill. And so it was pretty obvious going into this decision that even though the Tar Heels were in that final elite group of programs that he was looking at, they wouldn't be the ones to land him. All the scuttlebutt, all the crystal balls uh, from 247 Sports beforehand were saying that he was indeed going to go the G League Ignite route. So when he announced on Friday, dropped a, a video there on, on his Instagram, and as imagined, he chose to go the G League route. Because of that decision and because of how this all played out, here are the two big questions that people have been asking me over and over and over again. Like incessantly, I'm hearing both of these questions. Number one, why would you choose the G League over college in the era of NIL? This is a great question, and so we're going to answer that. And then number two, if you're going to go the G League route, why on earth are you bothering to make it a thing? Why, why announce it? Why bring that into the limelight in any way? And frankly, these are great questions and ones that I have been wrestling with myself. And so I'd, I'd love to answer both of those questions and hopefully provide some insight into that for you. So first off, let's unpack in the era of the of name, image, and likeness, why go the G League route? Because when you look at it, again, the, the desire to go G League in the era where you couldn't make money on NIL, the, the big deal was the money aspect of it. And so when players chose to do that coming out of high school, it's like, yeah, I get that. You want to go ahead and get paid and um, forego college. Cool. Great. Totally understandable. Well, in this era, here are some of the reasons why I think you might still choose uh, the G League Ignite program. Number one, you hate school, right? Like if you come to North Carolina, you've got to go to class. If you go to Kentucky or Wake Forest or anywhere else, you've got to go to class. If you don't, you get kicked out and you can't play or you get suspended and you can't play. That's a thing. And so maybe Boozellis is like, Screw that. I don't want to go to school. I just want to play basketball. I don't want to take classes and deal with that. Fine. That's great. That is not for everybody. Secondly, G League is part of the NBA. They have professionals. Not, not that college coaching staffs and trainers aren't professionals. Like you get paid to do this. So by definition, you're a professional. But, but the, the trainers and the coaches at the G League level are literally chosen and picked by the NBA, the league from which these young men are trying to get to. And so it makes sense then that you would want to um, get there more quickly if you could and, and it makes sense for you and you don't want to go to class. So if you're somebody 
that you want your life to go ahead and look more like an NBA lifestyle. You want to eat, sleep, drink, and breathe NBA basketball life then this could be a great option for you. Like when you think about um, coaches who would rather go be in the NBA than at the college level, they talk about, all I do is coach my team and then I'm done. I don't have to worry about recruiting and visits and blah, 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 and boosters and donors and all that stuff. I just get to coach my team and then I'm done. It's kind of a similar thing here. He just gets to go and play basketball and not worry about being a student. Um... But here's part of it is there's what I don't understand is basically you're disappearing into Siberia for a year if you choose the G League route. Um, Going to college is an infinitely higher level, higher profile opportunity. And... um, So maybe he, I say that to say, maybe he wants to go disappear for a year and not be on anyone's radar because that's what happens when you go to the G League. Raise your hand if you could name more than two players before last week's NBA draft, more than two players who were part of the NBA G League last year. Ready? Go. Yeah. No, you can't because nobody cares. (laughs) Frankly, there's no fan base. And so take the example of Zion Williamson. I, I often use this example. Coming into college at Duke, he was ranked third coming in in terms of recruiting to Duke. He was the third, like, yes, he had all these highlights, um, all all this great um, publicity coming in, but in terms of actually being a basketball player, was behind R.J. Barrett. Right? Like, um, even in some places, was behind Nasir Little, um, but was looked at as the third best player on his team behind Barrett and Cam Reddish. But by choosing to go to college instead of G League, we all saw what Zion became. The nation saw what Zion became. And so, because he was playing 35, 40 games, however many Duke played that year before they lost to. Michigan State? Yeah, Michigan State in the Elite Eight. He was on national TV every night to a huge viewing audience because he's playing at one of the biggest names in all of college basketball in Duke. And because of that, and because of how well he played, he earned himself probably exponentially more money than he ever would have if he had just been some G League player that nobody really knew or cared about. You think Zion Williamson turns into the number one player in the NBA draft that year if he had gone G League instead of Duke? You cannot convince me that he would have. Now, I don't, you know, as a, as a Carolina person, it's like, ah, you hate talking about Duke like that. But it's true. It's just the fact. He was ridiculous that year. And he made himself a crap ton of money and turned himself into the number one pick in the draft. The unquestioned number one pick in the draft. So, why the G League in the NIL era? Maybe he wants to disappear. Maybe he doesn't want to go to class. Maybe he wants to just eat, sleep, and breathe basketball under professional coaches. Now, the other question, why announce? If you're going to choose G League, why make some pronouncement? There's not some G League fan base chomping at the bit waiting to hear your G League announcement, right? Like, all you've done is built up these other four fan bases that actually have fan bases only to 
sour yourself on them because you chose the G League. Here's why I think that might be a thing. Imagine if, as I said, you're going to go to Siberia for a year. You're going to be off the radar for a year. You're going to be completely out of the limelight for an entire year until next year's NBA draft. Wouldn't you want to do everything you could to try to be known and remembered in some way? I would. Because the truth of the matter, the fact of the matter, is nobody's going to remember him from now until next June. In terms of the general college basketball populace, or basketball fandom. Right? Like, yes, talent talent evaluator scouts, they're all in on that and they're paying attention to it. But he's not going to have a built-in Duke fan base like Zion Williamson would. He's not going to have a built-in rabid Carolina fan base like Gigi Jackson is going to have. Gigi Jackson is a Tar Heel for life whether he stays one year or not. Why? Because he chose to come to Carolina instead of going professional. It's a thing. So, don't want to go to class? Great. Knock yourself out. Go be in the G League where no one pays attention and you're playing never on national TV to small gems of people. Have fun. Now, the question for Carolina is what does his decision mean for the Tar Heels? Because that third commit would have really helped round out that class in a great way. Well, it definitely means there's going to be space regardless of who comes or goes or stays or leaves or whatever for the Tar Heels after the 22-23 season. Um, and Carolina, it just means they need to keep adding. Definitely going to need some front court help if assuming Armando is gone, but you never know. He could use that fifth year. But it just means that Coach Hubert Davis and his staff have to keep doing work, which they will inevitably do a great job of. And keep in mind, the transfer portal so far has been pretty, pretty good to the Tar Heels. And so we're going to see how that plays out. But it won't be with Modest Buzelis as a Tar Heel. We know that for sure. Well, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Coming up on Wednesday's episode, Coach Pat Kilby and I break down Seth Trimble's game in our summer preview series. Thanks so much for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please subscribe wherever you're listening or watching. Smash the like button. Would love to hear your thoughts. If you would comment as you've been listening on the depth and what Coach Davis will do with that on Armando Baycott's continually improving game. Well, now let me encourage you to make Locked on ACC your second listen of the day. Host Candace Cooper and some of the great experts from the ACC schools bring you great content about the ACC in 30 minutes every single day. Make the ACC Locked on your second listen. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with me, talking Carolina basketball on a Monday at the very end of June. It is so stinking hot. But even though it's hot, it is a great day to be a target. Until Wednesday, peace.